Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar at YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said, let's get this episode started. Now I'm going to turn you over to your host, Shane Grove. Welcome, everybody, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and me and the judge are awfully close tonight. To bring this podcast to you. How close are we, Judge? We're, we're way too close. We're this way is... too close. <laughs> we're way too close. What, what kind of fine would I receive in, in your court? This is, I'll tell you what, it, this is one of those uh, clearly disorderly conduct. Okay, I'll gotcha. take that. I'll take that. I, I can shake that off my record at some point, maybe. Uh, Jason, the producer, where are you at tonight? Yell at us. I am in Mansfield, Ohio right now. Greetings, everybody. Lovely Mansfield, Ohio. So um, we're super excited tonight because our host is probably not only one of the most accomplished hosts we've had when it comes to the paranormal cryptid field. She probably is the best looking. uh, I thought Jason was. Jason. Okay. Well, Jason, maybe Jerry, but she's definitely, (laughs) definitely. Well, thank God Jerry's nowhere around because he would try to tackle a picture of her. Yes. Joining us tonight from, where, where are you at? In Las, are you in Las Vegas? Yes, sir. Las Vegas is uh, Shannon LeGros. Shannon, how are you doing this evening? Hello, gents. Can I just say I'm a little bummed that we're only doing Skype audio and not, not video after the, the picture that you painted of the way that you guys are sitting to execute this interview. <clears throat> For those of you who just tuned in, Grover and I are just sharing tuned. this thing. Yes. Well, we were talking off the record. Yes. Let's just put this in a visual for you. Yes, we're sharing the same. He has one bud and I have the other, and, and they're 
earbuds. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, you yeah. might want to say yeah, earbuds yeah, ear, because yeah, when true. you say headphones, <laughs> that would mean that your other pair of ears would be together, like literally yeah, smushed would... <laughs> together. Yeah, we have a pair of Beats that we're sharing. That, yes. That, that's yes. that's a bu- great ad campaign. Oh, for, I don't know. Yeah. There's not a size, unless we've got Shaq's Beats oh, that could fit yes. over. So, hey, everybody, we're excited. We have Shannon with us tonight. Shannon is is an author. She's a... She has her own podcast. She has her own podcast that I was a guest on. It's fabulous. Go check it out. It's called Into the Fray. And uh, Shannon, we're excited to have you here tonight. She's also a, a, like a TV and movies. Oh, star. she's been on... I saw her on TV one night. She was on TV. So, yeah. Shannon, introduce yourself to our listeners, if you don't mind. I don't know about that star stuff. You made me itchy when you said the, the TV star, but um, but yeah, I got to do a doc with uh, a couple docs with uh, Seth Breedlove, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, so hello everybody, and thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, uh, yeah, I I have a podcast called Into the Fray, which started in 2015, and a lot of your listeners, which I know a lot of them are new listeners from this very show that I started on, which would be Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, so. You know, huge high five to Wes for he's really the one that kind of gave me my start in podcasting. I would not have Into the Fray if it was not for Wes giving me my start there. So I always credit him for that. Uh, But, yeah, I've been doing Into the Fray, which is a multi-topic podcast since 2015. And then have recently got into finally authoring some books and actually publishing some books with uh, G. Michael Hoff, best-selling author. And the title of our company is Beyond the Fray Publishing quite fitting I suppose so yeah uh, it's been quite the ride Um, and I I feel uh, very lucky to be doing what I'm doing and get to talk to like-minded folks every single week much like you guys so a burning question that always people ask is what on earth got you started why the paranormal why cryptozoology why ufology what got you? What piqued your interest to, to make you want to do this? Why not true crime that pays so much better in the podcasting world? Does it really? It does seem like sometimes when you <laughs> look on um, like a Patreon or something, um, maybe the judge can attest to this or answer that question, right? But um, some of those true crime podcasts, you're going, does that say you make fifty thousand a month? You know, and you're kind of going, holy smokes, maybe I am in the wrong field. Have you uh, ever checked out the uh, the last podcast on the left? I have. Kind of, I'm, I'm kind of jealous. A little bit, right? right? <laughs> we'll we'll so get there, guys. Give us your origin story, yeah. Shane. Give us your origin story. Yes, so the origin story. So as much as I love uh, Bigfootery and talking about the big guy, that's probably my favorite, favorite subject. Uh, that's not where I got my start. Uh, I was... Um, a teenager, probably about 12, 13, maybe tops. And my dad had a cabin out in Duck Creek, Utah. And it's about three and a half hours from Vegas. A lot of people from Vegas would go out there. They got cabins, they do fishing, all the, the outdoorsy stuff. And at that age, me and my, my brothers, my brother and stepbrother, besides fishing, what we loved to do was ride four-wheelers. It was either fishing or four-wheelers. That's it. And on this particular day, my dad had gone down into Cedar City, and we wanted to ride our fullers, so we did. And I'm going to say this next part because people that have ever ridden a motorcycle or a dirt bike or a fuller will know. 
if you don't wear your helmet with those terrible goggles that don't have actual glass, because that would be stupid uh, to have glass in those, um, you can't see really a whole lot. So because our dad was down in Cedar City, at least I didn't wear my helmet. I honestly can't remember if my brothers did or not, but people will understand why that's important here in a minute. But the way that the cabins are set up here on this hill in Duck Creek is it's it's a grid pattern. So you can kind of haul you know what down some of these roads with no problem and there wasn't a lot of traffic it's not that kind of place so it's middle of the day clear day and it's in the summer and we're riding down this dirt road and because i didn't have my helmet on i was hanging back from my brothers because the dust kicking up in your face is unpleasant so at some point i look off to my right and I see, and I'm I'm moving at a good clip, and about 20 to 30 yards maybe into the woods is four absolutely pitch black, talking the blackest black, and then somehow darker than that. Very hard to describe that, but it's the best way that I, I've ever been able to do so, is for what we now call shadow people, shadow figures. But to me, as a kid, basically, I was just like, oh, what in the... That is very strange. Look at those people. But within like two seconds, I'm like, those are not people. And they're running, keeping pace with me. And the odd thing was their arms and legs were moving, even though I registered very quickly that I didn't know why they would even really need to do that. Because it's like they were running as if the trees weren't even there. And and that's hard to describe also because it's not like I saw them moving through the trees per se. It's just they were running as if they were not there. It it I know that probably you're so probably they going, didn't that makes have sense. to like they didn't have to like sidestep or juke to no. get around a tree. No jumping over anything on the ground. Uh, no you know ducking or diving or dodging. None of that. No no dodgeball acronyms were in there at all. All the and how far do you think from sitting on your four wheeler? How far do you think away these things were? Twenty to thirty yards, like max. Uh, but. I only watch I know so I watch them for a five count, which is actually a pretty good clip to see something. Judge, you know exactly what I'm talking right. about. If you actually count out five, like that's a pretty long that's time. That's a good distance. On on a four wheeler, if you're hauling butt, a count of five is actually a pretty long distance. Yeah. And I, I'm watching these things and you know, if they had faces, I w- don't think I would have known because they were that dark. I didn't get the inclination that they saw me or noticed me i just felt like i was watching something kind of moving in in the woods just on its own volition not really part of this world basically so i watch it for five seconds of course i'm moving on my roller. i need to check my path i look in front of me i quickly look back and they are just gone completely gone and they had been paralleling me that entire five seconds by the way so i catch up to my brothers i'm like okay, dudes, we need to go back to the cabin. I'm just kind of freaked out. I saw something. My dad gets back to the cabin, and I told him what I saw. He's ex-military, and, you know, he's kind of a little bit of a no-nonsense kind of guy, and he just said, oh, they do military exercises up here all the time. They're just guys in, you know, military garb. I'm like, adamant. I'm like, no, Dad, these were not people. These were not human beings. And still to this day, he remembers me telling him that. And he's still to this day, he goes, I don't really quite believe you. And I'm like, that's okay. But yeah, still to this day, he, he, he says he doesn't quite believe me. But uh, 
you know, I didn't really talk about it too, too much after that. I remember talking to some of my friends about, oh, you know, if they bring up something weird in their house, I'll go, oh, really? You know, and I remember it being an interest long, long ago, ever since then. But it wasn't really. So you're like one of the people, like my situation, when I was a kid, I didn't run around volunteering Mm -mm. what I saw because. Right. Well, you, you tell the one person who you think is going to believe you, your father, and he says, I just flat out don't believe you. Yeah. Now and imagine having a jerk friend like Grove if I would have told him. <laughs> no, wait a second. Oh, he'd be the worst. Oh, just been ridiculed. I mean, they would have roasted me. <laughs> roasted yeah, me. if Grove was there, I mean, he probably <laughs> oh, wouldn't, wouldn't have let you in that house, though. He probably would have just laughed and left you out back or something, you know? Yeah. Like, L- listen, when we, get to the, when we get to talking about the judge's story, we'll talk about who the jerk was. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about who the jerk was. So I'll let you finish your. So Shannon, did it have backwards is, knees or? <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing is that these things were paralleling you. They were mm-hmm. they were pacing you, but you're saying that you didn't get the impression that they were actually trying to pace you. That you were just observing an event that happened, and they weren't really cognizant of of you being there. That's really, yeah, that's how I felt. Like if, if I had to peg it one or the other, I would be settled in that category because it's not, they didn't, you know, look over a wave or give me any inclination that they realized I was there. Maybe they did and they just ignored me. But I really just, when I describe it, I just feel like I glimpsed into, you know, another part of our kind of world that just lives alongside of us. Um, what those really were, I, I don't know. And of course, Especially since I had been on Sasquatch Chronicles, I had people go, well, maybe they were Bigfoot. And I'm like, no, no, no. That, you know, I, I don't try to quantify it in that realm at all. Uh, they were, you know, around six feet tall. They weren't super duper skinny or emaciated, but they were thinner. And they were literally like just cutouts from the deepest, darkest night. You know, there was no fur or it, 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 they didn't even look natural in any way, shape or form. It didn't look like they were wearing like like they were wearing garments or anything. Like no. That. They were just a solid black as pitch. Yeah. Like stick man, but not a, not stick, just like, yeah, like regular yeah. proportions to a human. And, and you know, and thinking back... You know, I would I would be like, why why in the world would things like that even fake that they had to move, you know, their arms if they were running like a like a person would, you know, um, which is so strange to me. But maybe they did. I I don't know. I I really don't know what that was. But that's uh, that's my inception story. So from that, um, it would sound like to me that your interest in the unknown. Or the paranormal or, you know, like like I always said that, you know, there really are things that go bump in the night or maybe there really are things that are hiding in the shadows or even worse, lurking under your bed. And that's why you have to jump to get in and not leave your arm hangover. <laughs> that's a real but, thing. Yeah, you got to keep yeah. the, the limbs tucked in, man. Yeah, but um, that's Still a really good day. point. Y- yeah, absolutely. Me too. You never know. But something that, and as I said, it's a good point that you brought up. It is so different, my experience out in the woods, This and it's a total one-off, never seen a shadow person again. It's so different to see them in the woods versus in your own home. I mean, that's that's on the no list for me. You're supposed to feel safe in your home and just take those guys and put them in my house. I'd be probably trying you know, to move after, of course, trying to um, capture them on film and all that stuff. 
for the good of the show and the good of the paranormal community. But uh, it's a big no on my list when they start messing with you in your own house. So, but you don't think they were trying to mess with you. You just think you just no. happen to be a, a, an observer mm-hmm. to an event. Yeah, I really do. And I could be totally wrong about that. But uh, yeah, I just think it was a crazy one-off thing that I just happened to happen to glimpse for those five seconds. So from that, you just delved into other topics. You've already mentioned that your favorite topic is, is the Sasquatch Bigfoot. And you ended up on Sasquatch Chronicles and absolutely thanks to Wes. Um, so... Well, you, now you're kind of glossing over that. Oh. Okay, I mean, <laughs> well, see, she, you kind of like so she went from 12 years old on a four wheeler yep. to now talking to us. Well, yeah, you I know. mean, we did like so. How, so <laughs> at what point did did you um, decide? I mean, at what point in your life were you like, okay, I, I want to get into talking about that? So I'm assuming you saw those things. And you kind of wanted to figure out what they were, what that experience was. Maybe not right then at 12 or 13, but maybe like the judge, you got to a point where you look back and tried to, you know, maybe wondered what those things were. I mean, is that what happened or is it just something you always wanted to do? I mean, I, I think that it, it very much was the, you know, when you're laughing about just glancing over it, it it's darn near like that, though, because it, it was basically about 30 years before I really, really started to dive into stuff again or talk about my experience again. And, you know, I would, like I said, I would talk to some of my friends about some weird stuff, but it wasn't like it was a, a real crazy passion or anything. And then I discovered podcasts. I don't know. 10 years ago, whatever it was, uh, 12 years ago. And all that I consumed was Bigfoot podcasts. And, you know, a lot of people in Bigfoot, of course, the main reason to get into Bigfoot is to have a sighting. Uh, I've had incredible auditory experiences and some things happen while I was out Bigfooting that has me convinced that, that there actually may be something out there. And we can get into that later if you want to, but there's the sighting. There is, uh, you know, movies like Legend of Boggy Creek or, you know, Harry and Henderson's or something like that. I don't remember my lightning moment for for particularly Bigfoot, to be honest with you. But I just know that I fell in love with it. I started listening to every podcast I could. And then uh, I, I started to, to finally use Facebook for the first time. I had an account for years, but I always hated it. Still do sometimes. Um, I'm sure you guys do too. But um, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? No, of course <laughs> not. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, to be anonymous again. No, but uh, I, I started to just kind of go, okay, well, screw it. I'll come out of the, uh, the cryptic closet and the paranormal closet, and I'll just wear my freak flag, you know, patch on my arm and just go for it. And I started to join every Bigfoot group I could find. And, of course, you know, SC. Uh, and I started to become really, really active in that group, and Wes and I started to talk, and then that's how I ended up on Sasquatch Chronicles with uh, with Wes and, and Will, of course, at the time. Now, I mean, were you on there to talk about, like, some of your close Bigfoot experiences or just Mm-mm. to talk about, just, I mean, what, how did you get on? Uh, he just, Wes just felt like maybe I would be a good addition to the show. Um he saw how nuts I was about Bigfoot and how much I love the subject. And he, you know, maybe he thought that a, you know, a female voice being on there would, would be good. Oh, uh, so you were actually a, a, a cast member. A co-host, yeah. Oh, I was a co-host, co-host for about a year. I did not, I did not yeah. 
And then uh, I did show a show called Show Notes with Shannon, which was kind of like a companion show to Sasquatch Chronicles. I don't even know if you can get show notes with Shannon anymore, but and, and I'm kind of glad about that because those were, of course, my first interviews ever. So you know, the, uh, the merchandising on that show, I mean, show notes for Shannon would be fantastic. Like a little show nuts for Shannon, like a little companion side of peanuts. It, it, I mean, it yeah, it, it would be. I think that those are, goodness knows where all those are. I mean, like I had Linda Godfrey on and like, you know, all these cool people that I, I had probably no business even talking to back then. And, uh, but it gave me my chops and. Uh, you know, it was like uh, it was on Blog Talk Radio, so it was live, right? So oh, nice live to archive. So it was like feet to the fire, which I mean, that was I, I yeah, I credit Wes Wes with the whole thing. Uh, so you know, thanks to him, I'm that that's why I'm sitting here now. Uh, but so yeah, where have but, you been Bigfooting? I think that's the mm-hmm. you know the the interesting thing about about Bigfoot is that. Um, and we've had Russell Cord on. We've had, you know, we've had some Bigfoot people on. And, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I remember going to Tri-City Drive-In and watching Legend of Boggy Creek. And, you know, as a kid, it scared the crap out of me. But you did not think that there were Sasquatch in Ohio, for example. And, and now, as, as years go by, you're finding, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, there's sightings everywhere. So... Where are the spots that you've been out bigfooting? Yeah, so of course, uh, Washington State. Uh, I have been to Ohio, which I did live there for a couple of years, Judge, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to Texas, to the Sam Houston National Forest. That was one of the trips with Wes. The other one to Washington State, which uh, incredible auditory experience happened up there, was also with Wes. Um, and then, of course, just anywhere that I would go that had woods. I've been to Kentucky for the same reason a lot of caves in kentucky so it adds to the mystery of well do you know where do they live do they stay in the caves is there anything subterranean that we don't know about you know do they hang out with the hadles like you know from the descent we don't know um but i've been to really so many incredible places specifically for bigfoot and i think one of the strangest things that ever happened to me while I was bigfooting that and I apologize to anyone that's heard me say this because I'm sure you're going to roll your eyes because you're like oh here she goes again with this thing Uh, but we were out in Washington State and I can tell the whole story about you know the other things going on at this property but it was the Brown property which I don't I don't know if you guys are familiar with that property in Washington State but it's on an Indian reservation and they captured the uh, basically it's called the linebacker on the ridge thermal, uh, yes. and it it looks like pretty much like Jay Cutler without a shirt, uh, in you know the the top part of his torso from his pecs up, and you can like see these massive traps, and uh, a ridge head. I don't know how you'd fake such a thing. Um, people of course had all kinds of theories on that, including a cow. I'm not sure how that would even happen. To make a cow into that shape, but anyhow, are you wearing a Jay Cutler jersey right now as we speak? Totally. In fact, <laughs> okay. I'm getting paid a lot checking. of money to drop just, his name a couple times, I, so just let I'm me just go, checking. okay? <laughs> I just. <checked. laughs> I think he lives out here in Vegas. I think. 
Maybe. Well, he is divorced, I believe, recently divorced. Not for long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I Jake to... Cutler, if you're listening. Yeah. I, I think he's a big fan of our page. If you'd like to uh, yeah, venture yes. into the fray. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And go. You know, uh, so Shannon, you mentioned that you lived in Ohio for a bit of time. Mm-hmm. As a side note for, and I know, I probably mentioned this. I don't know if I have. I went to law school with the Matt Moneymaker. Yeah, we've yeah, we've mentioned that. So, but for some of our new listeners, so Matt Moneymaker and I went to law school together. I knew who he was. I did not know that he was out bigfooting until way after the fact. But he, I think, I think he said on one of his shows, his first yeah. bigfoot that he witnessed was a Mohegan State Park, which is right. close to Mansfield, where Jason's located. And so if you, you know, for our Ohio listeners, a lot of people have been to Mohegan. But uh, if you watch one of the Finding Bigfoot shows, they were there. And yeah. They went over to Landel's Castle, which is really cool. And so, yeah, there's there's Bigfoot Sasquatch sightings everywhere. I mean, not just Western United States and stuff like that. So did you ever have any Bigfoot experiences in Ohio, Shannon? Uh, yes, actually, another interesting auditory experience happened at Salt Fork State Park. And again, possible eye roll coming for some folks, but it happened at the aptly named Bigfoot Ridge, which is part of the primitive campground, meaning there is no power, you know, no running water, nothing like that. So uh, we had actually run into a gentleman that started to set up camp just like two spots over from us. And he comes over because I have my face down in the dirt. I'm looking around doing this. And it's like, what, what you doing over there? Oh, just looking around for, you know, animal sign. And I noticed that his van was just chock full of stuff. I mean, he, in fact, I think he was, if I remember correctly, he was sleeping in the van and he told me that he drove every other week 400 miles to get there and I just went wow you you really like this place huh and he goes yeah I'm studying animal migration patterns and I go are you here for Bigfoot and he's like yeah so you know you have to kind of tread lightly with that stuff right so we meet this guy Uh, his name is Robert wonderful man I need to check in with him he had a sighting directly behind the primitive camp at Salt Fork State Park just months prior. And that was why he was so obsessed. The man, he, it was a beat up van. You could tell it's not like he had a ton of money in this RV and like all this bad of the bone equipment. He would come there every other weekend and drive 400 miles to get there. Not even kidding. So tell me he wow. didn't see what he said he saw, right? Um, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he'd come out there by himself, and he's like, my wife gets so mad, but I'm just so obsessed with this stuff. He saw a, uh, it was nearly eight foot tall, Bigfoot, and a smaller one around five feet, five and a half feet, peeking around a tree, literally basically right behind the, the very campsite that we were both at. And nobody else was, um, luckily, they would have thought we were total weirdos, at this site the entire weekend so that very night we go behind the campsite just down this forest service road which is cleared really nicely and he pulls out a glow stick it's like 10 o'clock and i'm like hey what you got going on there robert you know and uh it's almost kind of like you mentioned matt moneymaker it's it was a little finding bigfoot to me because he attached a string to it and he starts to whir this thing around it's making this great sound like um like crocodile dundee you know and he gets on the top of the hill and he's calling the aborigines in right 
So he's whirring this thing around. We're taking turns doing this. And we would just stop and listen. Another person get up, whir it around for a little while. And I know that you know, but for those that don't know, if you go into Salt Fork State Park, it is unlike going to a place like in a lot of places like Utah where there's not a lot of ground brush. In Salt Fork, forget it. You have to, you better get out your machete, you know, and bushwhack your way if it's not already cleared because you got thorns and brambles and it is very thick. And right where we were, we were surrounded by said brush. And talking about brush, four feet high, at least, maybe three and a half, four, four feet tops. And we had been out there for a couple of hours. We had stopped to take a couple of big breaks and just chat quietly. We didn't hear anything come in. It was a still quiet night, n- no activity whatsoever. And I had just got done worrying the thing and directly within that ground brush was a talking like ground level, not in a tree, a very, very loud monotone whistle, like something with lips. And I just picture something with a massive set of lines. It's, I, it's, I can't even describe it. And even if I had recorded it, which no, I wasn't recording, it wouldn't come across. As you know, those things are really difficult to, uh, to get. So I instinctively just go from a standing position to a crouching position, I guess, just to make myself smaller. It just is what primevally came to my mind to do because it was right in front of us. But we couldn't see anything, of course. This brush was so thick, but it blew my mind because anything moving through there would have made the most loud, god-awful sound. I don't know how, whatever it was. I'm not saying for sure that it was a Bigfoot. I'm not saying that because unless you see it, you can't say that, right? Right. But if it was a bird, it was the most screwed up, out of his mind, he grew lips and a massive set of lungs bird, the loudest thing I've ever heard from a bird or the freaking pterodactyl. I don't know. But, um... Well, pterodactyl would be, would open up a whole other can of worms. (laughs) Yes. We're going to explain one cryptid with another, you know, that's how we do it. It might be better than a Bigfoot. Go right to the Thunderbird. I should have been talking to a cacao. Um, <laughs> how do you not? How, how do you not like in that situation? Mm-hmm. Just not turn around and run. I mean, because you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've been out there once in the woods. Yeah. And it's just I can't imagine. I mean, not once, just in my life, but once do you know looking for something right. like this? I can't imagine something being that close and making that noise and not running it was really a stunning noise and it's so it's so hard to sit here and and try to impart that on on anybody but yeah i was standing i went to a crouching position i didn't running didn't really cross my mind maybe that was another uh you know survival instinct not to run a lot of people say that too right um i mean the judge knew better than that though he knew he needed to keep running but (laughs) yeah you knew you knew uh but it, well, you but didn't have Robert to sacrifice like you did. Right. I did think about pushing Robert in. <laughs> so that did cross my mind, actually. Um, I thought, well, he loves it here. He needs to stay here. Uh, yeah. No, but you know what? Nothing ever happened after that. We stayed there for a really long time and listened, as weird as that was. And, and, and it was freaky because it was pitch black out there unless we turned our flashlights on. 
because we thought, okay, it came in. It's going to leave eventually. Heard nothing. Not a a rustle of a leaf. I have no idea what that was to this day, but it was pretty dang cool. You know, one of the things that that, that I've always pondered, and, and, and I started this when I was watching the Finding Bigfoot stuff, is there's a consensus that we don't really know what Bigfoot is. We don't know that this is some sort of, you know, you know, 10,000 year old, you know, primate that didn't go extinct. We, you know, there's different theories. Why do we always assume that these things are benevolent and that they're not going to just rip you to pieces? Because from most accounts, these things are predators. They, they, you know, they hunt down deer or elk. They, they kill things. They eat it. They eat meat. Um, you're encroaching upon their territory. I mean, if, if you went into the jungles of the Congo, and I may even have the wrong country by saying this, but if you went in the jungles of the Congo and you stumbled upon a family of silverback gorillas, they'd rip you apart. They would probably kill you. I'm not sure that they're eating your meat. Chimpanzees would. A chimpanzee would rip you apart and eat you. Why do we just assume that Bigfoot is this benevolent creature that we don't really have to be scared of? And if you would run into one in, in the woods and, you know what I mean? I, I got to believe that I'm not going out anywhere without a gun. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. And I have to say that a lot of people forget the fact that when the Native Americans were talking about and writing about these things, they were talking about them taking their women and, you know, taking people for food or taking their women for other reasons, you know, that we don't need to talk about or taking their children and that they were to be respected and feared at the same time. And there are a couple of stories in my book that do speak to the fact that these things are possibly not very nice and but why why should they be if we're traipsing around through their living room and especially if you get close to their young i think is when you could possibly be in a really really bad situation i mean one of the stories in my book a kid sees a massive uh, around 10 feet tall i think it was grayish white colored bigfoot and in one hand it was holding the top portion top half of a dog Okay, with the innards hanging out, and the other hand was basically like um, a plaid piece of clothing or a blanket. And to this day, he says the more disturbing thing was not the dog; it was the fact that was that the dog's blanket or the like the human owner's clothing. You know, was it part they of had the, been a, walking a the dog? Exactly, <clears throat> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I just don't. I, I I'm with you, Shan. I, I don't get why why people. We're going to go trouncing out in, in their living room, shall we say. And I mean, because you think about any normal animal. If, if you run into a black bear and it has a cub, it's going to attack you. you. You run into just about anything. You know, I have these feral cats that live at my house that I can't get rid of them. But if you get Not near the one of their cats, but, but if you get near one of their kittens, <laughs> I'm telling you, you get near one of their kittens, they're hissing at you and everything else. And I'm like, Dude, I'm feeding you. I give you food every day. Why are you going to hit that? Speaking of black bear, did you see the video of the guy snoozing by his pool and the black bear? It was in Massachusetts, I think. And the black bear kind of saunters up, kind of sniffs the guy's foot and like oh. nudges it. And the guy wakes up and the bear just turns and 
scampers away. Oh man! Like the guy's dead asleep, dead asleep oh. by the pool. Like they're just. But if that same guy would have would have yeah, walked into and, and found you know in between uh, a, a young, it would have killed him. So I just I don't know. I, I see these shows and I hear about these people and and they're out there you know big footing and, and I'm like you guys aren't taking guns. No, why would we do that? I'm well, like, well, even besides the Bigfoot thing, the gun thing to me, I always bring it up. And I think it's so important because forget the Bigfoot. Because honestly, if you run into a large, forget it, not even that large of a Bigfoot, six foot or seven foot, an average Bigfoot, do you really think that your gun is going to stop it unless you place it directly like behind yeah. an eyeball or something? Are you that good of a shot? It's really for other uh, things like yeah. Freaky people, which you can see all the time, the the bears, the cougars. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things want to eat you out there, uh, and you're looking real delicious to them. So, But you know what, guys, the other side of that is, do you remember the story of little Casey, a two- or three-year-old in North Carolina that went missing for like five days? I mean— You mean uh, where the bear took care of him? The the quote-unquote bear, bear. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, mm, which yeah. is not really, they're not really known to do something like that. It's not impossible, but it's kind of weird because the kid was saying like, yeah, it brought me something. I can't remember, forgive me, everybody, I can't for, I can't remember what uh, exactly. He said the bear brought him something now to eat and all that. Right, and that kid's frame of reference, he would, you know, his frame of reference would have been something big, hairy in the woods would have been a bear. Right, Yeah, like, right. It's not the jungle book. <laughs> Baloo's not Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, you know, you know, I think there are two sides to, to you know, this yeah. subject. But for the most part, yeah, if you're going in the woods, take a gun, have your head on a swivel, and, and just know that you're not the top of the food chain out there, period. More than likely not, yeah. No. Did, did Seth, was it Seth that did the documentary in, from Loudonville, how called the Back 40? Was that? Uh, no, uh-uh. Okay, who did no. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it, that's a pretty. It's on Amazon Prime. It's, it's Loudonville, which is right over there where Mohican is. These family owned this farm and this back forty acres, and and they kept getting basically, you know, Bigfoot encounters, somewhat menacing, somewhat not. Um, yeah, Ohio. Now, did did here. they think at first that you know they were friendly? So were they kind of doing one of those habituation situations where they were putting stuff out for the Bigfoot, or it was completely just they were coming in and they did not invite them. Yeah, they just came in. They didn't invite them. Yeah. And, you know, they were – and, and I, if my memory serves me correctly, they thought there was, you know, obviously multiples, multiples traveling in, you know, groups. And isn't that interesting because I – and I need to – maybe I should watch that because I'm wondering, and maybe you can answer this, were they coming, you know, during certain times of the year? Because the theory, of course, is, and it would make sense, like every other animal, they travel for food and water and times of the year they're in, in certain areas. Well, what, what did – okay, back to Robert. What did he conclude if he was driving 400 miles every other weekend to come – I mean, and studying – or was mm-hmm. not really studying the migration of animals. That was just his pickup line. I mean, there. he kind of was yeah. though, because he would be studying the trees, and he would look. And he got me even looking at this thing because he, there were certain marks on the trees, and he would say, "Well, you know, I don't know for sure, but I, I think that this is them marking these trees." Uh, and he wasn't sure why, but you know, this campsite was close to a couple of ravines 
which if you look down in the ravines, unless you were down there, you couldn't quite see was at the bottom of it. It was one of the, you know, another very brushy part of Ohio, very thick underbrush there in some places, very near the lake. Uh, so it was advantageous for them to be there, but he definitely did think he was on board with these things moving in basically my migrational patterns. Like, did he think they were, you know, as the winter came moving south, like down into Kentucky and West Virginia or just different parts of Ohio, you know, like, because, because it's not like Ohio's elevation changes so much. Right. They could come down out of the mountains and they can't out on the West coast or whatever. So, I mean, I can't quite remember exactly what all he said as far as the migration goes, but I do remember having a conversation with him about a time of year like that would have snow on the ground or something like that. Maybe not super heavy, but him saying that, you know, oh, I've seen tracks in this area and this and that, um, which other than a muddy area, a lot of substrates are not conducive to tracks in a lot of parts of the country, you know, unless it's wet or there's snow. Uh, So that's why you know, cast if you've come across an incredible, uh, even a, a, especially a trackway, forget about it. Like you got to try to cast that stuff. So, um, I think some people are, or I think some people anticipate you're just going to be walking in the woods and you're going to see big footprints. It's not how it works. I mean, the amount of pressure that you have to put on ground in order to leave a print. I mean, it's a lot. So, you're not going to just find Bigfoot tracks unless you like there's really soft soil, mud or snow or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's unreasonable for people to think, oh, well, I'm just going to go find Bigfoot tracks. And if they yeah. don't find one, that means they're not there. It's yeah. so few and far between. And and plus, if these things are as smart as as we all do believe that they are, uh, I think they're masters of their environment. I think they're especially if they they're in an area where there are people that for the most part they want to avoid, they are very cognizant of where they're placing their feet. I, I do think that. So we just had Linda Godfrey on, and we asked her, because Seth, or not Seth, I'm sorry, I had that. Wes asked me what I thought, whether Dogman was a real biological creature or was it a, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of supernatural thing. And, and so we discussed it, and then he went on to say the same thing about Bigfoot. So interesting. You, what's your take? I think I think Wes's take is that, that Bigfoot, as well as dogmen, are, yes, they, they, they have a corpus, a body, they're biological, but they can pass back and forth. They're dimensional creatures. And we talked about seeing orbs and things like that. So now that we have you here, what's your take? Just real quick, did he bring up the orb that we saw in Washington State? Not, probably not, not, not on the show. I mean, I th- he and I were talking after the fact. That oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Oh, and if I may, before I answer that, I will. The, the point that I was going to make with the Brown property in that Jay Cutler a thermal, there's another grand for me i'm just kidding um but (laughs) was the fact that we were out there for bigfoot obviously we're at the brown property and all of us were it was uh wes myself wes's girlfriend john brown who owns the property and kirk brandenburg a friend of theirs who also happened to own like this i don't know like four or five thousand dollar 
FLIR Thermal, which if any Bigfooter can afford any FLIR Thermal, I highly recommend it because when something sounds real loud and scary and it's a Bigfoot, whip that thing up, you're going to see it's, you know, 90% of the time it's going to be a squirrel or a raccoon or something that sounds like really super loud. So that those are just in indescribably wonderful tools. Anyhow, it started to rain very heavily. It's like one or two in the morning. And Sarah Brown had told us, fine, go traipse around the property. Don't care where you go. Don't go to, you know, these abandoned buildings on this part of the property. We're like, okay. Well, so mostly, that's, exactly mostly, that's where we went. Yeah. Exactly. She said it mostly to John, but that's where we went. But but also, can I just say in my defense, in case Sarah ever listens to this, it did start raining cats and dogs. We're in Washington State. It and was cold, suspected, too. And you suspected that's where they had Jay Cutler chained. Oh, I like you earning more money. Let's do this. I'll split it with you guys. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Supplements. Woo, lifting. Woo. Um, yeah, so it starts to rain cats and dogs, and we make our way to this abandoned building. And the roof is in- intact. But inside, the walls are kind of like mostly two-by-fours, and you can kind of see the, the woods and the ravine, you know, out the quote-unquote front of this building, which is halfway there. So we're inside, and we're waiting for the rain to calm down. A little chilly outside, not, not pleasant, so we didn't want to be out there. And we all just see this light in the woods. All of us, all of us, we're like, what in the world? Look at this fool out here in the rain and the cold. What is this guy doing? Now, this is not a super, you know, unpopulated area. It's, yes, it's rural, but it's got people. So, you know, we're just thinking this is some, like, drunk guy out here 2 in the morning getting drenched in the cold. Uh, So we go to the side of the building that is mostly open, and we're just watching. And it's kind of this bluish, whitish light. I think a few of us thought it was a different color than the other but that might just be human biology at play but it's kind of bobbing bobbing it looks just like a guy with a headlamp on running through the woods and it's like we all get to the, the front part of this building and it's like the light notice notices us noticing it the second we all get there and we're literally like pointing and looking it falls at an angle 45 degrees to the ground gone and Kurt quickly gets his flare up and he's like I got no heat signature I can't find anything we go out the the quote-unquote actual door of the barn Wes myself John and his and Wes's girlfriend we go out the 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 door Kurt goes over one of the two by fours so that he can flare like constantly and he's still going I don't see anybody I don't see anybody and there is a metal covered building next to this other building and someone or something hits the side of this metal building boom 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 extremely loud scares the crap out of the two people that had wandered uh, further up front i think it was wes and his girlfriend his girlfriend comes booking it back like forget this i'm out of here this is not cool we make our way out to the lip of this ravine and I'm like Kirk is there a guy over there or what he's like it's not a person I got nothing and it to this day and there was nobody on the other side of the barn to this day can't explain it 
And the thing about the eye roll, what I brought up earlier was because I'm not, I don't want to be in the camp that Bigfoot is anything but flesh and blood. I want them to be that. I want Dogman to be that because we'll never find out what in the world is going on if they're anything else. But to see what I have heard about for so many years, a light in the woods when it comes to Bigfooting, you're out Bigfooting and there's a light in the woods. I was like, this cannot be happening. You know, I was almost like, this is cool, but I'm kind of ticked off right now um, because it happened to us at that property. And at that same property, we played a baby cry. Uh, Wes pulled up something on YouTube, like a loop of a baby cry, something enough to make you like totally lose your mind after, you know, an hour. We had been playing oh, it. Yeah, it was bad. Totally. An hour. Yeah. It takes you an hour to lose your mind over oh, a baby cry. Yeah, we were very patient. Dude, it's Bigfooting, you know, you got to suck it up. So, yeah. yeah, we're playing it for like a good 45 minutes straight. And something came in. And it, it reminded me a lot of my salt fork experience to where you're kind of, you can picture something, but you can't see it. So you can't say Bigfoot, but you can picture what's making the sound. And we all heard it. And it was something going whoop, 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 just like that over and over again, all, always in threes. And even Wes and I look at each other and we go, does that sound feminine to you? Like, it sounded feminine. And we're like, well, that's kind of weird because we're playing a baby cry. <laughs> and the second the phone died, because we had been playing it for nearly an hour, the second the phone died, all sound stopped. So no more whoops, no more nothing. Um, so that property was very, very active. Uh, the question of do I think they're 100% flesh and blood? Short answer, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't want them to be anything paranormal. But what if they just have, like, cool attributes, like a cuttlefish or something, or, you know, an octopus, where they can just change their skin? I, I don't know. That's also... Well, the thing about it is, like, okay, so... So looking at things, you know, you apply Occam's razor. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, what's the... What is the most likely answer? What's the simplest answer? I mean, the simplest answer is that they're a biological creature. I mean, the fact that they make whooping sounds is consistent with primates. So what's the simplest answer to the light? I'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> oh, All he's right. got the, I like oh, this. Oh. All right. Drop the mic and just, he would have walked away if our earbuds were. Yeah, right. dude. Yeah, now if you were connected, he'd be gone. <laughs> so, so the simplest answer is, so you have to look at things and say, okay, from a from just a biological, what eyewitnesses are describing perfectly fit something that would fall into the primate category. And and the nesting, like, you know, they find these nests, you know, gorillas make nests, the whooping sound, if you've ever been to the Columbus Zoo, you get down there by the gibbons, oh my gosh, they're just whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> I mean, driving nuts. I'd rather listen to the baby crying for an hour. But, I mean, don't so, push it. Yeah. And, and we know they eat. So they eat. So biological creatures eat. We know that they have offspring because we they, they talk about, you know, small, big, but biological creatures have offspring. You know, they, they mate and things like that. So the simplest answer is, yeah, these are just pretty intelligent, bipedal, 
hominid primates, whatever you want to call them. And we just haven't found a body yet because, you know, we just does. We, we haven't. So then you have to say, well, yeah, but, you know, but we're, we, we consistently are seeing these orbs. You know, how many people have seen orbs? Well, okay. Now you have to, you have to take that Occam's razor and say, well, the more complex answer is that these are supernatural beings that are somehow able that's to... That's a simple... That's, I don't think it is, but that's complex. the point. But that's my point. <laughs> it, when you look at Occam's, Occam's razor says these are not multidimensional beings. They're just biological creatures. But the interesting thing is, you know, when we were talking with, with, with Linda Godfrey, dogman sightings, people have sort of the same thing. They're seeing these orbs. And she totally blew us away because we I never expected for her to say, I think these are multidimensional beings. It just totally blew us away because I've read two or three of her books and she's never said anything like that. But the interesting thing that she threw out there was that people who have come in contact with these orbs develop cancer, that she herself had had multiple contacts with these orbs. She developed cancer. And that, you know, look, anybody can get cancer. It's a terrible disease. But there is a disproportionate amount of people who are investigators who've come in contact with these orbs hmm. versus the general public. And that really kind of blew me away. And then, you know, talk to, to Wes about seeing these orbs. So I don't know. I'm still if, if I'm still coming down like you, Shannon, I'm still leaning towards their biological creatures. But. Obviously, I can't figure out why, what the coincidence would be of, of these orbs that people are constantly seeing. And with Linda's case, there's, I mean, she described, if you if anybody listens to our podcast, she described this basketball-sized orb that was clearly had some sort of intelligence behind it. <clears throat> the way it was moving and how it approached their car. It was a fascinating, fascinating story. Now, my personal experience when I was out, on Temple Road, I never saw any orbs or anything like that. So that might yeah. be a good segue. In How do you know there wasn't an orb six rows into the cornfield? Right. And that's what's that's <laughs> well, what I was don't. going Okay. That's but, true. But, but, Judge, but the orbs, right. <laughs> orbs illuminate some sort of light. That you didn't see any light. So, <laughs> Shannon, you had mentioned, that. yeah. So, Shannon, you had mentioned <laughs> that you had some patronage uh, listeners yes. that w had some questions for yeah. me. Maybe this yes. would be the good time to answer those. And also, you know, can I just say that, and I'm not just saying that because you invited me on your show and all that, and you're in the book and all that. Your your episode is definitely one of my favorites. It gets brought up all the time. And, oh, and how cool was it that that guy went out to Temple Road and had the corn there behind oh, him and took awesome, the picture man. there? Awesome, awesome. That was so cool. So if that doesn't prove that, you know, that is a very powerful story and powerful episode uh, that that does it. So yeah, no. Thank you very much for being willing to come on. Uh, I don't know when that was, like um, was March or April ago. 2019 oh, or something oh, that you, yeah. you came on, and uh, you know that that was always sticking with folks. So yeah. Well, so the, a couple of my no, go ahead. The be the best part was is uh, so the judge was on uh, Wes's show there, and the next day I got a text from one of our one of our friends who. Just bought a house, literally at the corner of Flickinger. Flickinger Road, at Temple Road. He didn't really like. He didn't really know the story, and he invited me 
out to his house that night. Uh-oh. To, she said, hey, we're ha-, it's like, what was it, Labor Day weekend? Yeah. And he goes, hey, we're going to have a bonfire. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you something. And then after you listen to it, then you can understand why I'm not coming out <laughs> to sit behind your house. At the edge of in the woods. Because he's right there at the, the edge bonfire. of the woods where the, where oh. the, where the origins. Because this, play, this road, there's been a couple of houses built here re- yeah. recently in yeah. the woods. But there's still really nothing out there for that mile and a half or two miles. Which is interesting because the guy that sent the photo, even though it's it's pretty, you know, tight in, you can tell that, I mean, that's not, it's, if somebody has a cornfield, it's going to be a big cornfield and the oh, corn is still there. So, when, Judge, when is the last time that you were in that area? Oh, I've, I mean, I've driven out there. I mean, I live, I mean, I live probably... Yeah. six seven miles away from it at so most, yeah. at the most so yeah. i mean i've been out there uh multiple times um so it, it's it's really other than that woods right there at the at the mm-hmm. corner it's kind of unchanged i mean they built about three houses in that woods but it's still depending upon what year it is on the one side it's you're talking a straight mile of nothing but corn yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and you know, if you're a city person, I don't think you get that—a mile of corn, unbroken. And we have, and we have driven. Like I drove, I drove down that road coming back from another town, and I actually called him as I was driving down it, and I'm, and I said, huh, "This is crazy to think back that yeah. any of us were stupid enough to be out there at night and." And then when we he got, just called you a, stupid. Hey, well, it's not the first time. And uh, <laughs> it, to get up to the corner and then to really look at where your house was. Oh yeah. And then where our buddy's house was that you ran to. It's just it's I. Hey, anybody I out that. there? And and I actually had uh, um a um an avid listener of Wes sent me uh, an email. And wanted some information about it. And they said, hey, I'd love to come. And I'm gonna when I'm in Ohio, I'm going to come and see it. I said, hey, shoot me an email. I'll give you a tour of it. I'll take you out there and show you exactly yeah. where things were. And she, and she just was blown away. So, yeah, any listeners out there, if you ever want a tour of Temple Road from the judge, we were actually, play by play. Yeah, we were actually this this fall well, was probably next week. We had it planned with a bed and breakfast in the area, we were going to have Amy Boo was going to come and the guys from Paranormal Road, and we were going to have like a paranormal weekend at this bed and breakfast outside of Usiris. And the Saturday night part of it was we were going to take everybody who got rooms at the bed and breakfast out to Temple Road and walk down the at road night. at night. Judge, you were going to walk that road? Yeah. we were. Well, gonna... I mean, you get a group of people and, yeah. and I, I got a gun. Well, we... Well, we buddy, have, he's yeah. gonna pick you right out. He's like, I remember he's you. Like, he's thirty some years old. He's gotta be. Hey, he's I got think, offspring. I mean, they have timeless. to reproduce. That's that's true. Grover's like he's timeless, man. He's, he's a multi-dimensional being. Now, what the now what the judge does not very often mention when he tells the story on on many of the podcasts was that so this event ha- you know this happened and the neck the very next night. Because uh, we were all in high school. The very next night, we were together at one of our friends' house who was on Route 4, just down the road, maybe another mile. Okay. And then, as a bunch of high school kid guys back in those days, 
we got together and we played car play poker. Okay. And we were sitting out in this guy's garage right along route four, not very far from, and, and he tells us the story. Okay. But he, like he said, he left out the part of telling us that he actually saw what I saw, what he saw. And so, okay. Under the guise of, I don't want you guys to make fun of me and stuff like that. But then again, he left us out in this wide open garage <laughs> of less than a mile away while he knows there's this, there's like, something out there, like this big creature that just, and, and when he told us the story and yes, some of the guys made fun of him because, you know, Oh, it was a deer. Oh, it was a dog or, you know, you know, not no pun intended for the dog, man. but, yeah. but, but the guys, I mean, I, I remember the guys just kind of, oh, what, you know, whatever. You're, it's just your imagination. So, Judge, you you left out pretty much just the part where it came bursting out of the right. corn. The right. only yeah, time I mean, I that you that actually out. saw it. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. you got to understand something. It's 16 years old. Folks, we're out of time for this week's episode. So tune in next week where your host, Shane Grove, along with the judge, We'll continue this amazing interview with Shannon LeGrow, the host of the Into the Fray podcast. Until next week, never shy away from what may be lurking in the darkness. We are out. <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.